Three and Fort Myers, because there was a, a great need, right? And you saw that firsthand. So we're, we're so appreciative that you invested your time to do that. Well, today's message is a little bit of an extension uh, from a message I did last time I was up here called Islands. If you remember, uh, islands are, are a place that each and every one of us may find ourselves spiritually from time to time, you know, whether intentionally or through an event. And uh, the common denominator of those islands was isolation, Right? And when you're isolated, you may be isolated for things that are good, from good things in your life, uh, like God, by the way, or, or maybe people that God is sending to you to help you get off of an island. Uh, so we heard from that as well, too. And, but we were, at the end, very excited because we heard that no man, no female is an island, and God has designed us to live in community and with family. So that is important. So that was a good thing to end that. Today I want to talk about tables. I know you're saying, Pastor Chris, sounds like a PBS documentary. They might have did the lineage of tables, um, but no, it isn't, I rest assured. But there's, uh, I want to talk about tables today because when we talk about tables, and we'll see further along here, tables are more than a place just to consume, but it's a place to commune with friends, with family, with st- Strangers, as you know, as you know, um, Satan is never the originator of anything. It may look like it at times, but he just perverses what God does, what he designs. Well, I think, I think the word stranger, the enemy has taken that word stranger and manipulated it because I think the godly definition of stranger is just a person that you don't know yet. Simple. It's simple. Now, I'm not saying throw out what we learned in class, stranger danger. I'm not saying that. Use common sense. But if we are growing in the Holy Spirit more, our peripheral vision more of the people around us will be more welcoming where we can approach strangers and even maybe sit with them at a table, at a table. Today's title is called, How Big Is Your Table? Now, it may seem like a seasonal message, but it's a message for 12 months out of the year. I want to play a video real quickly uh, that helps build my case to convince you that you need to grow, sit at a bigger table. Can you play that video, please? Look, I, I booked these tickets weeks ago. How does this happen? Sir, we have a lot of factors going on, and besides that, I can't... What about another flight? I'll, I'll take a red-eye... Or an early morning flight. Sir, as I've explained, there is nothing else available. What's your name again? Judy. Judy. Judy, there has to be ways around this. Sir, I've already told you. We've checked the schedule, scoured the schedule. The flight time. To get Sir, there back is nothing home. left. Can I can I talk to your supervisor? I know there's someone above you. I don't mean that disrespectful. There has to be someone above you. Can I speak to that person? I sat on this phone. I sat on this phone for an hour and a Sir, half. Sir, you're in luck. You're talking to the supervisor. You're the supervisor. Then Absolutely. Okay. Then okay. Are you, are you close to your mom, Judy? I don't feel comfortable discussing my family with you. I didn't mean it that way. I'm just saying, Judy, I, I have to get home. I have to. My mom, okay? My mom. My mom has had the roughest year, and I have to get home. I, sir, I realize this is an incredible inconvenience for you, but there is nothing we can do. So 
So you're saying I'm spending Thanksgiving alone. That's what you're saying. That's what Sir? is that what you're saying that I'm spending Thanksgiving alone? Just say it. Say it for me that I'm spending Thanksgiving alone. There's nothing you can do. With all due respect, sir, you are not the only person spending Thanksgiving alone. Thank you. Go ahead and have a seat. Sorry. Oh. Someone decided to take a late nap. No problem. You want to give them the flowers? Oh, these are for me? Thank you for having oh, us. No. Uh, make yourself at home. Great, thanks. Okay. Hi. Hi. Oh, wow. You brought... This is so great. Hello. Welcome. Oh, you got pizza. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Thank you. Oh, they're hot, too. Hi. So sorry, I almost forgot the turkey. Who mm, brought the bird? Say the word. We'll all sit down and gather around. What'd you just say? I'm sorry, but what I said is that you're not the only person alone this Thanksgiving. So, how long does it take to cook a turkey? How big is your table? How big is your table? question we need to ask each and every one of us, and we'll find it goes even deeper than just physical tables. The anchor idea today that I have is that a table, whether it be a home, a coffee shop, a restaurant, or the table of your heart, God has designed a place where we can gain different types of nourishment and benefit from relating to one another, is what a table is, is what a table is. You know, this can be a tough message for folks that are maybe single right now uh, that have not chose to be single. And I'm very much aware of that. And I just pray in the next 30, 40 minutes that the Holy Spirit is ministering to you face-to-face. And in that face-to-face, in a transparency that you can bring to the Holy Spirit, and if there's any hurt, it meets the healer. Because our God is a healing God in anything, in anything. On a much lesser note, much lesser note, I'm a fast eater. Amen? All my family. 
I love food, but I don't care for how long it may take to consume it at times. So I'm a fast eater. So when God was dealing with me with this message of tables and the video I saw and different things that were going on, uh, it's, it's a challenging message for me. I remember uh, growing up uh, and visiting my grandmother, and she had a huge, any event she did was big. She had like eight, six to ten people at a table at a time to do some sort of meal. And I had to suffer because I was done before everybody was done, and I couldn't leave the table. Imagine that. So I had to watch everybody eating. But I'll tell you, over time, when I was sitting there in my suffering, I noticed how people were communing and talking and, and, and fellowshipping. We can use the Christian word today. You know, any of that, that there was something going on more than just food that I knew. But that there may be a place on each and every one of our hearts where there's a table as well. That it could be beyond than just a physical table that I started talking about. Proverbs 3 talks about never forget having loyalty and kindness. Write them deep in your heart. If we remember uh, Paul in 2 Corinthians writing to the, uh, the church of Corinthians in Rome, uh, at this time the Jewish folks, being as nice as they were, were really persecuting the Christians because they were not following the law of Moses. And Paul writes in a pleading letter, like, wait a minute, you have a new covenant in Christ. You're not relying on old tablets of law and stone. These new things are generally written on human hearts of what Christ is doing in you. And your faith is genuine, he talks about. Keep it on the table of your heart. But don't keep it on your heart for just you to see. Share it with other folks around us so they can see what God is doing in your life so you can connect and help God transform their life, right? Table of our hearts as well. So when I say table today, which somebody can count might be a hundred times, I am meaning physical table, but also spiritual table on your heart because they are kind of related. You see, if you have a big, if the table of your heart is as, as so many stories and genuine faith of God working in your life, it may organically mean you might sit at a big table for dinner or inviting people or being around friends and family. I've announced this before, and we can be honest in church, I am an introvert. I am. And I won't ask any other introverts to raise their hands because they won't anyhow, right? So, but I'm an introvert, so I, I would rather, like I said, be to myself. My, my comfort is to read a good book next to my record player. And you, don't look at me, you have your own other things, right, that you like doing by yourself as well. So this is challenging to me to do this. Um, I, the irony of it is that table that I used to sit at as a boy is now in our dining room in our house right now because it was given to me. My grandmother, bless her heart, still alive at 98? 98. Yeah. So maybe she was up to something as it meant with longevity because she was always around people and connecting and communing. But with the table, when we got that donated to us, it came with three leaves. And I must say, pretty much all three leaves have been connecting, collecting dust in my closet. 
You see, whether it's rhythms in our lives, our busyness, um, not that we're not caring, because believe it, everybody in this room would say, I love God and I love people. By the way, you can't have one without the other. But if you love God and love people, we generally want the best and want to do what we need to do as it reflects to being engaging with people around us. But the reality is, as we get busy and more things need to become intentional in our lives, right? If they were more intentional in my life in this matter, probably maybe one of those leaves in my closet would be collecting dust because we'd have more people at our table. I know my heart is growing and my table and my heart is growing because I'm beginning to see what God continues to do in my heart and organically you want to share it with those around you. Not because how great I am or each and every one of you are. It's great how, it's because how great our God is in our lives. Simply that. But when we need to start, if some of us need to begin to be intentional about, you know, growing the table in our heart and in, in our physical tables, in our homes or restaurants, inviting more people into our lives... You know, the enemy, there's a storyline that comes right away, doesn't he? He's very faithful. One <laughs> good thing of this is say, who would ever want to hang out with you? So again, we start saying, let's start doing this intentionally. Who cares about your story? You're not good enough. What if somebody makes a mess at your table? Is it worth setting a plate? All these storylines that come to us. But that's something I struggle with from time to time. And I'm sure many of you have similar stories and are growing through that as well. I can't leave the extroverts alone. Extroverts, you may do most of the talking, but are you present? Are you here? Do you know who's around you when you're talking? Do you have a self-awareness that there's opportunity pockets for the Holy Spirit to work? So just as us introverts might have to be intentional, extroverts might need to be as well. But really, it looks like how we are building our tables of our heart is, again, more intentionality. Are you really carrying the questions you ask to somebody else to really hear what they're saying back? Picking up the speed even more on this honest train that I made you guys bored today. Does sometimes we just think too much of ourselves than others? Maybe it's just that. The two, two, the phrases of what if, what I like, what I want to do, da 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 da. <laughs> you know, some of us might even build these museums in our minds of, of so many arts of excuses that we may have. And if I was given the privilege to go through your mind, which I don't know if I want to yet, but if I had the privilege of going down those halls and the museums of your mind, there'd be some great pieces of work, some Rembrandts, some excuses of I'm too tired. You know, I did that before. I'm hurt. Therefore, I can't open up again. Great artworks of excuses. Parents, I'm not leaving you alone tonight. Here's a study I read. 84% of parents agreed that family meals were important, but only 50% of them actually did it. Another study said uh, in 2020 that typical American family only has three meals 
a week together as a family out of seven days that we know exist, right? Can we blame the, 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 the what do they call that, the TV stand thing? <laughs> Probably not. It goes deeper than that. But you do know those f- wonderful TV stands, and people buy them. I know you may have some in your house. Just think about it. You have one little table, and you're probably going to eat your meal, not connecting with anybody else, and you're watching a static box that is entertaining you or maybe selling you some news for the day. Small tables. They don't work well for Christians. They don't work well for Christians. Widows and widowers. This is tough, I know. But you, and I'm, go- I'm not going out on a limb, you guys are welcome to any tables at Faith Christian Center. In our hearts, physical tables, we see you. You are not a foreigner. You're a part of a church community. And we need to know that this is an opportunity to connect with you, to see where tragedy and majesty collide of what God is doing in their life and each and every one of our lives. There are opportunities to connect. There are opportunities to connect. There are opportunities. So it is a message. Let's get into the Bible a little bit, okay? There's a few stories, great stories that we know that happened around tables. (laughs) How about the Passover meal, right? One of the most important meals that Jesus had with his disciples, right? Because in this meal, he introduced communion. He predicted some dissent with Judas and Peter. And then he talked about a new covenant coming all around a table. It was such an important role that Jesus sent Peter and John to go secure that table. They didn't run in through Jerusalem and look for open tables at the restaurant, take a waiting list. You know those restaurants, they give you that little beeper thing, you know, things ready. You know, they didn't do that. Jesus is what we're going to see in a minute. He gave specific instructions where that table is because it was so important to have the right setting at that point. Let's look at Luke 22, 9 through 20. New International Standard, New Living Translation, excuse me. So this is uh, Peter and John. Where do you want us to prepare it, they asked him. And Jesus said, he replied, as soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water. Imagine being the guy holding the pitcher of water. I don't know why I'm standing here, but there is a pitcher of water I'm holding. The divine orchestration. How many things in your life work that way too? A man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you, follow him at the end of the house and he enters, at the house they enter. Say to the owner, the teacher has asked, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare your meal. They went off to the city and found everything Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at, ooh, a table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. So this table and this experience really was the catalyst to his suffering going towards that cross. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until it, 
meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it, and then he said, take this and share it amongst yourselves. So communion is starting there. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. I mean, just imagine being at this table. As, as Christ followers, imagine being at this table. Then he took that bread and broke it into pieces and gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body which I have given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this is my cup of the new covenant between God and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood which is poured out whew, as a sacrifice for you. And it goes on, obviously, where he talks about the descent of Paul and, and, and Judas. But just being at that table, the beginning of Christianity was, having, was happening right there. <laughs> of them understanding what Jesus was to do for them. We don't have to go there. When Jesus comes back from his resurrection, what did he do when he met with some disciples? And I think it was John 21. He met some disciples on the shore getting off the boat. And he said, come have breakfast with me. Most likely there must have been a table involved or something to commune with me. And at that point, Jesus was sharing the table of his heart to show the disciples that what I have been talking about that was going to come into play of me dying and resurrecting from the grave, I ain't no ghost for a modern terminology, I quote. I'm no ghost. I'm no ghost. I'm living in the flesh. Let's fast forward. After Jesus left the planet, he talked about the Holy Spirit coming in the book of Acts. They're all in the upper room, communing, waiting, waiting for what to be done. I can just picture an amazing depiction of those. And I know The Chosen Show, if you ever watch it, does a great depiction of just waiting, waiting close by for something to happen. And then the Holy Spirit arrived. And aren't we so thankful that he arrived? Let me tell you, if you're a Christ follower, have decided to follow Christ, if you are not in tune with the Holy, whew, Holy Spirit every day, you don't have an opportunity to see the gospel in action in your life fully. You don't. Oh, you know who God is in Jesus, but you don't. You don't. It could be just a narrative in your life. So the Holy Spirit comes in the upper room. Crowds of curiosity come and form around the building outside the upper room. And we know this. So much where Peter says, I need to share what's on the table of my heart. And he goes outside and preaches, the Bible says, up to 3,000 people got saved. He built a bigger table. He sat at a bigger table. The gospel began to start growing because community started growing as well. We see this later on after Peter doing what he does in Acts 2.42. There you go. And the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to share in meals and to pray. I would only think there was a table involved. Not only on the heart, but a physical table. 
We go into further down the road in uh, Paul, and when he's writing letters to the Christians in Rome, he's talking about in Romans 12, 10, 14, which we'll read in a minute, he's talking to the believers amongst believers, be hospitable to each other, especially to one another, because we can't do it in, I'll paraphrase now, in here, how can we do it out there? You can't. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ. He goes on, Romans 12, 10, 14. Love each other with no fake affection. Genuine, whoa. And take delight in honoring each other. Ooh. Never be lazy, but work hard, intentional, and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. So important there. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always, always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless you. It's harder to persecute somebody when they're sitting face to face with you in a table situation across from the table right because they're right there bless those who persecute you don't curse them pray that god will bless them will bless them so here's a picture of what again paul is stating that we need to open the tables of our heart may react organically in physical tables inviting people to things but bless them, commune with them. Go beyond a hi, how are you sometimes. Tony Evans says this. I always enjoy reading anything he says or quoting. We can love one another deeply once we recognize that we don't have to like someone to love them well. Love is associated with emotions, but it starts with a decision to compassionately and righteously Seek the well-being of others. It is founded in the truth that fellow believers are our brothers and sisters in Christ. You may not like me, but you need to make a decision (laughs) to have the best interest of my well-being. You're quiet in here. How about in Psalm 23, um, David, we know it well, the Psalm of David, where it says, the Lord has prepared a table in the presence of our enemy. It does not mean that whole, when we we take out that meaning, does not mean God was showing off that he could place you around your enemies and have you eat a sandwich. That was not what he's saying. He's not saying that at all. God is showing the power of hosting. The Lord God Almighty will make an attempt to meet your personal needs by serving you and protecting you in any space that he is hosting. See, David had guest rights. And do you know you do too? To sit at that very same table, to let God host you, to take care of all your needs, all your provisions. He did it at a table when all you know what is happening around him. That's God. That's God. We know this well, too, back to Jesus before he went up to heaven. 
his big thing, and Pastor John has mentioned it too, and especially in following Christ. He says, Jesus says, the world will know you guys how tightly, because of how tightly you shake each other's hand. No, right? Come on. Can we go that? It's, it's pretty clear. John 13.35, Amplified. By this shall all men and women know that you are my disciples if you love one another, if you keep on showing love amongst yourself. So what should we do about this? Maybe you have a big table at home, but maybe the table on your heart is not that big. Not that big. We need to set more place settings in our heart and again on those tables at home. We need to be ready. You see, God is asking us to be obedient. And in the context of today, the obedience is in the invitation. We're called to invite. Invite people into our heart may result in inviting people out for a cup of coffee or a home dinner or whatever. We just need to be obedient because if we let the Holy Spirit do everything else, He'll set the table. He'll know what we're supposed to be talking about. It's being obedient in the invitation. Being obedient in the invitation. That's nice, Pastor Chris, but I don't know where to begin and be intentional. As anything else in our journey in being a Christ follower, your morning should be starting off and reading God's Word, praying in the Holy Spirit, and then listening. Sometimes we talk too much, and then listening. You see, the Bible is our map. We know this, right? The Bible, the truth, the infallible Word of God is our map. It tells us where we should be. The Holy Spirit is our compass. He knows where we are. And he looks to coordinate that with the Word. So if you're not praying to the Holy Spirit, you're just reading the Word. There's life there. There's giving. But it's not totally connecting because the Word doesn't know exactly where you are without the Holy Spirit involved. You need both to work on this journey of faith and what he's calling you to do. It's so important. It's so important. You need the Holy Spirit to... I'm saying this kindly, but we're on the honest train today. You need the Holy Spirit to birth in you an appetite for other people that want to get to know you. Did I say that correctly, articulate that? So if, I think it was neat when Earl was here. So I mean, so if, you know, my arms are full half the time when I talk to people, that body language is saying, what? I ain't inviting you into my life, you know? What, what, you know? People don't, I learned this in sales, but it's so true. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? So if I am not creating an appetite for the people around me to get to know me better, might need to spend some more time on your knees in prayer. This message is tough for me, so I'm not just firing these darts out at you. And how about as, as believers, a group of believers too? I mean, we have to... 
we have to create a hunger with the people around us that not only want to get up, get want to get to know us more, but to get to know our Father much better. Setting place settings, creating that appetite, the hunger at tables. Are we doing that? Are we doing that? Imagine, even in this room right now, imagine if we could breathe in the air, the same air that was in the upper room when the Holy Spirit came in. I don't think it's impossible. And what was happening there is they were communing. Community was being built. The Holy Spirit was letting us serve one another. It's a powerful moment. But when you get into this intentionally or whatever, how direction you do, as I mentioned the word earlier, it'll get messy at times. You ever had a guest over on a physical table and um, they spill a drink (laughs) all over your beautiful place setting and you keep your composure? Oh, don't worry about it. Yeah, when they leave the house... You're not saying don't worry about it. You are not saying that. You're using maybe other words and repenting later and come on. But going into this, we need to trust and know there will be messes. Messes on our heart, messes on any table that we invite people to dine with. But if we keep Christ as the centerpiece of all that, he'll clean up the mess. Sometimes you, some of you are so germaphobic. <laughs> you were born of dirt, by the way. Some of you are so germaphobic, and I'm telling myself too, that, you know, ah. The other thing too is when you get into this mode is you need to, and what we saw in the video too is when the gentleman was on the phone with the airlines and then he started handing out flyers. You need to, when you're intentionally positioning yourself to sit at a bigger table, whether in your heart or physically in front of you, you need to be ready to let things unfold. Control, control freaks, definition of unfold, things that you don't have control over. Ooh. Because those segments in our life, whew, that where we don't have control, give space for God and the Holy Spirit to actually work. Because when we, we begin to knit the needle and do everything that we need to do, make the place, everything perfect, we're too much in control. The power of, of God's design of you and you and you coming together to relate is powerful than any other force outside of what Christ did on the cross. We live in a culture that we think we're relating through a lot of digital properties. We're not. They're all, the next idea is a news feed away. You know, we're not. We live in sound bites, which is a whole other message. <laughs> and we define our whole world around these things. But we're not relating. We're not caring. And as Christ followers that are here to help build his kingdom, it's going to involve us in situations where God has to move. He has to because we've been obedient in invitation or whatever. He has to move. He has to move. Any of this making sense? Yeah. So there's a, no, no, but thank you, no. Um, 
No, please. No. no, no. no. There's, um, there's, it's in Matthew 25. Jesus is talking about the future when he comes back as king. And he's answering a question. He's answering a question. Can we put that up 20? Look at that. Whoever, that's awesome. So then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did you ever see when did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? Can we go further? Verse 40. Do you want me to read again? When did we ever visit you? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? Can we go to the next one? Thank you. Isn't there four? There's no four. Oh, you know, there is no four. Okay. And at the end he says, if you've done, and we know this, we could quote it hopefully. If, are we there? Okay. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, as you know, Pat, well, no, 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 where'd we go? That's all right, I can take it from here. So basically, thank you though, we appreciate that. Uh, probably something I gave you the wrong slide. But at the end of that reply, he says, if you've done it to the least of these. <laughs> you've done it to me. And this is where he's separating the sheep from the goats. Bah. And bah. They all look the same. They sound the same, but they may not be the same at the end. Jesus will find a distinction. See, there's, two, there's a few things, too, uh, as today's message. That's fine. And I tell you. Um, and we read that and say, okay, well, Jesus is telling us we need to be more hospitable and things like that. And there's questions if he's talking how we treat the Jewish people, too, and that's real, too, there. But in the context of this message, I really believe two things out of this. One is, he's asking you, have you surrendered so I can work through you? Have you surrendered? Intentionally at times, as we've been learning today, but have you surrendered where I can be obedient, invite people into my heart, or meet physical needs, bring them to a table? Have you been obedient in that? And the next thing is, most of the scenarios that they were talking about have to do with the stranger. What did we learn earlier? Stranger is just somebody you don't know yet. So he's speaking to us to be open, to be obedient to meet the needs around us, to not qualify so you can quantify what you need to do. Just be obedient. You know, I'm a little off tables here, but, well, no, I'm going to, somebody in our family just yesterday was in line 
I'm not uplifting the family member, but it just was, uh, it wasn't me. So somebody was in, somebody was in the line, just yesterday we were at a store, a long line, and that person saw the opportunity of not taking the time of a long line in their life, but getting to know the person behind them. And we found out that the person, and I was watching this happen from the far, a person that they were talking to behind them just lost their spouse six months ago and was, has never really been shopping to buy their own pants in the store. And then the other person began to share on my family of some loss too recently. They had the person in front of them crying almost, listening to the story. And then they find the register was so delayed to get there. It was like God was making a divine moment for that person to open up in my family their table and have that other person dine there for a minute to see what was going on. And there was that shared exchange, shared exchange of things. It's all around us if we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It's all around us. So again, the anchor idea for today is a table, whether in a home, a coffee shop, a restaurant, or the table of our heart. God has designed these spaces where we can obtain different levels of nourishment and a benefit to relating to one another. A benefit to relating to one another. If all you got out of this message is that I'm telling you to invite more people to your Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas. That's a byproduct that might happen. But it starts with the heart. It starts with your heart. We're being called to a greater level as we see the times approaching in our lives. That are, that are people looking at us as Christians, and I think we've said this before, that are they knowing more about what we're against than who we're for? not saying you need to defend. I'm not saying that. But it's all about people. It's all about people. And even a stranger that breathes the same air that you breathe <laughs> is lost maybe like you were lost at one point. Relational. And in that recipe of building this, you have that transparency to being real. Don't worry if all you have is paper plates to set a table. Just worry about the space. Let God do everything else. Don't matter where you are. If you have nothing to offer, you have God in you to offer, which is far more powerful. Because I don't know, without God, I'd be a boring accountant, I think. But without God, I'm sorry. We love accountants. They do our books. But I, without God, I mean, I don't know how I would handle half of the things that are going on just in the world today. People need to hear that same thing. We talked about groaning in one of the songs. The earth is groaning. Yes, for the returning of the sons and daughters of kings. That's groaning is getting louder and louder. That's a natural thing. Don't take it personal if somebody rejects you when you're talking to them. It's just part of the process. But you're planting seeds every time you shake a hand tighter, hug a neck tighter, say, no, really, how are you doing? I'm an introvert. This is intentional for me. I'm challenged by this message. Hopefully I dish some challenge on you a little bit because we need to go to that place. How big is the table of your heart and even at home at times? How big is it? How big is it? Did you get anything out of this today? Can we stand? Don't clap. Can we stand? I just want to stand and pray a little bit here.
let's get uncomfortable. Can you put your hand on the person next to you's shoulder? It's fine. Shoulder. And just agree with me in prayer here, and then I would like to confess something. Not me personally, but to God. We're all going to confess, if you don't mind. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you are continuing to do in our lives. Sometimes it may seem two steps back and one step forward, but you're with us every step of the way. Lord, let us appraise how big the tables are in our lives, starting with our hearts. Are we being obedient when God gives us invitations to just ask somebody how they're doing or share our testimony and share how big our God is to those around us. Lord, those that are hurting in this, that are single, that are, are just not knowing where to begin, again, let that hurt and heal her. Let any tragedy reflect your majesty, Father God, of who you are and how much you love all of us and the value that each of us have as individuals in Christ because you designed us to do that. Lord, let us step out. Let us increase in intentionality to know that in these end days, you are calling us to not only love you, but love the people around us. Lord, wherever forgiveness needs to be given, make a path and give us that grace. Because in that forgiveness, our hearts will open up more. Our tables will become fuller. This building will become fuller. (laughs) Showing the redemptive grace of forgiveness. Redemption. Thank you so much. Repeat after me. I am a follower of Christ. I sit at big tables. I love you, Lord. And I love the people you've designed around me. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, everybody. Always a privilege to be in front. Pastor Ray, thank you, sir.